2: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So Moses tells
0: God that if he would not forgive the people, then he wanted God just to remove Moses' name from the book of life. What a sacrifice! that Moses is willing to make here, that he has aligned himself so much with the Jewish people that he did not want to have personally eternal life if the people are gonna be destroyed. Does that remind you of anybody in the New Testament? By the name of Paul, who said in Romans 9, he said that if it were possible, he's willing to be accursed from Christ for his brethren, his kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. That's the Jewish people. And God replies, God replies in Exodus 32, 33, verse 33, 32, 33. God replies, God said unto Moses, whosoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Therefore now go, lead the people unto the place of which I have spoken unto thee. Behold, mine angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. That's when that's when God said, instead of myself, I'm going to send an angel to lead you. That was a shock to hear that God was not going to go before them as he had said, and he's gonna, now going to send an angel. And then Moses, he does something. He, he, there's the tabernacle, and just like the one that we have over there on the other end. There's the tabernacle. The tabernacle is set up in the middle of the camp, middle of the Jewish people, and Moses goes to, and well, Exodus 33, 7, our chapter, 33, 7, 33, 7. Moses took the tabernacle, pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. It came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that scene? Moses says, take it down. Take the tabernacle down, pack it up, Move it, and they're doing that, and people are saying, "What are you doing? What are you doing? And Moses said, "I'm taking the tabernacle out of the camp because God doesn't want to be in your camp. And because of your sin, if you want God, you're going to have to come outside the Jewish camp to find God. So this is the background. This is the setting, I'm taking some time to describe, because it's very important to see this background of when Moses got this great promise. This is what happened. The worship of the golden calf had broken the bond between God and the Jewish people. Instead of his presence, now it's gonna be an angel to lead them. The fate of the Jewish people is in suspense. It's all up in the air. They're sitting there waiting to find out what is God going to do. It's a very dramatic time. It's a very suspenseful time. A lot of suspense reminds me of the many times that I got in trouble in junior high school at Emerson Junior High School in Los Angeles anytime. And I was sent to the boys' vice principal's office, Mr. Rudolph. You know, and Mr. Rudolph had chairs outside of his office in the hallway. And I had to sit on those chairs in the hallway and just sit there in suspense to see what Mr. Rudolph was going to do. And everyone looking by would come. And they'd walk by and say, "What did you do?" and, you know, and said, "What's going to happen to you?" you know and, and Mr. Rudolph would then call me into the office, you know, paddle in his hands, and SWATs were coming, bend over, grab your ankles. I'm sure that damaged me for life. Anyways, <laughs> it was that time of suspense sitting in that hallway that's how israel was they were sitting there while they were just waiting in the hallway to find out what god was going to do to them israel's future was up in the air and this is the background of the great promise and it was at this time during this time of suspense and judgment and death that something wonderful happened to both joshua and to moses and it's spoken of in verse 11 exodus 33:11 33, 33:11 11, 33, 11. The Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man departed not out of the tabernacle. This was the best time in the midst of all this, the best time in Moses' life when God and Moses spoke face to face like a man speaks to his friend. It shows us that even today, in the day we live in, with all that's going going on around us, the deeper and deeper that people, the world, are sinning against God, rebelling against God, just as it was with Moses, that can be some of the best times of fellowship in the presence of the Lord. And as for Joshua, Joshua Joshua was just a child when they left Egypt. He's He's a very young man. Joshua, he's so disgusted with all this, he just decides to just move into the tabernacle. He just lives in there. He never comes out. That's what it says in verse 11. His servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man departed not out of the tabernacle. Now, we can imagine with all of this description here how shattered Moses is inside. He wants to know something. He said, every person has betrayed me. Every person has betrayed me. He feels, especially the Jewish people, I was their leader, they betrayed me. He's shattered inside and, and and he wants to know who is going to be my companion in life, who is going to be my helper in life. His wife Zipporah, she was not a believer. She was she was the daughter of the Midianite priest, the idolatrous priest, and she gone home. She left him. She was with her father, her father, the idolatrous priest of Midian. So it wasn't Zipporah was not his helper, not his companion in life. After making the golden calf, Moses had relied on Aaron. Aaron was his spokesperson before Pharaoh. It was Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. It was always Moses and Aaron, Moses and Aaron. But after making the golden calf, that was shattered. That was gone. Moses could no longer rely on his brother Aaron. And then especially after telling a lie about it. And Joshua, he's very young. He's just He was just a child when they left Egypt. He just moved into the tabernacle. He's hiding in there. You ever felt like that? Have you ever felt absolutely alone and you wanted someone to lean on for help, for advice? That's Moses. That's Moses right now. And that was what Moses is feeling when he asked God, who, who is gonna help me? Moses always struggled with this feeling of personally being inadequate for what God has called him to do. In fact, it became an argument between Moses and God at the time when God first spoke to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 4.10. In Exodus 4.10, it says, Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am of a slow speech and a slow tongue. He says, I can't talk. And the Lord said unto him, Who made man's mouth? Who maketh the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will teach. I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O oh, my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him who thou wilt send. In other words, pick somebody else. Go to the next one on your list. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, not the first time. And he said, Is not this Aaron, the Levite, thy brother? I know he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. When he seeth thee, he'll be glad in his heart. Well, thinking back at this time, I'm sure Moses thought to himself, oh boy, I sure am sad that I chose Aaron because after the golden golden calf affair, Moses had a real good sit down to think about and it came to him about all the responsibility that was put on Aaron. Well, Moses remembers this and he remembers that he told God that he wasn't able to speak and how God got angry and said, fine, then you take care of it. He can speak well. He can also make golden calves well. And for all of his life, Moses felt so alone in life. Moses struggled with these feelings of being all alone, and he wanted someone to help him. And when we see this idolatrous, he tried to rely on his father-in-law. He's an idolatrous priest, a father-in-law in Midian, and he came to visit Moses one time. And he came to bring Moses' wife back, Zipporah. And Moses looks at his father-in-law and he says, now there's a man who can really help me. Look at him, he's bringing my wife back. So he can help me in the desert here. What do I know about desert? I was raised in a palace in Egypt. So this man can really help us. And again, this weakness of Moses trying to put his rest on the arm of flesh, trying to rely on another person, and it says in Numbers 10, 29, Numbers 10, 29, one of the most saddest things that Moses said, it says, Numbers 10, 29, Moses said unto Hobab, that was his name, Hobab, the son of Reguel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are journeying unto the place of which the Lord had said, I will give you, come thou with us, we will do thee good, for the Lord has spoken good concerning Israel, and he said unto him, the father-in-law said unto him, I will not go, but I will depart to mine own land and to my kindred. And Moses said, leave us not, I pray thee, for as much as thou knowest how we are to encamp in the wilderness, and thou mayest be to us instead of eyes. And it shall be, if thou go with us, yea, it shall be with what that with goodness the Lord shall do unto us, the same will he do unto thee. It's very sad. It's very sad to see Moses clinging to this ungodly father-in-law, a priest, an idolatrous priest, Hobab, and begging him, don't leave, don't leave, come, be eyes for us, show us how we're supposed to camp in the wilderness, and all the while that Moses pathetically is clinging to this ungodly man to be his director, we can see God hearing Moses, and he's hearing what Moses is saying to Hobab, and then God saying, Moses, 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 what am I, Chop liver? I mean, you want Moses, you want you want Hobab to not leave you. Have I left you? You want Hobab to come with you. Have I not come with you? You want Hobab to be your eyes in the desert. Haven't I been your eyes, leading you? You want Hobab to show you where you are to camp. Haven't I stopped the pillar of fire and the cloud where you're supposed to camp? And Hobab left Moses, and that was a good thing because it forced Moses to rely on God. You ever felt that way? You ever felt alone? You ever felt like you need someone? You ever felt like where Moses is and then then someone forsakes you? And that's a good thing because it caused you to be forced to lean on God. Now in verse 12, we see Moses pleading with God for someone to go with him and his wife Zipporah has forsaken him. His father-in-law has forsaken him. Aaron has betrayed him with the golden calf. Joshua has just ran and retreated and is living in the tabernacle. He's looking around. He's saying to God, God, in verse 12, thou hast not let me know whom thou will send with me. And this is when God replies in verse 14. In verse 14, he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. This is when God became very, very super, personal with Moses, like a transition time. It's a transition. This is a transition for Moses. You know, there's a wonderful transition in the 23rd Psalm. Most of us can repeat the 23rd Psalm by heart. We can start off, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We can say the whole thing by heart. It's only six verses long. But there is a transition right in the middle after the third verse. Here, see if you see it, 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's the first three verses, now the transition. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil oil. My cup runneth over. It talks about he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Did you catch it? In the first three verses, it's all the third person. He, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me down to lie down. He leads me. He restores. But then in the fourth verse, there's a total transition, a total change. It all changes to the second person. Thou art with me. Thou preparest a table for me. Thou anointest my head with oil. The transition is going on from the third person to the second person. There's a closeness that's developed in the middle of the psalm. And this is what's happened in Moses' life. A transition has happened. And now he's leaning. As a matter of fact, in the 23rd psalm in verse four, when it says, thou art with me, the word art is in italics because it's not there in the Hebrew. There is no verb It just says, thou with me. In other words, it has nothing to do with past, present, and future. It's always, thou with me. And so Moses now, he receives this great promise from God, and it's interesting that God did not say, I will be with thee. He didn't say that. And God said, my presence shall go with thee. And when God said that his presence was gonna go with Moses, that Moses was gonna always be conscious of the presence of the Lord And that's gonna be what's gonna value most in life, this conscious presence of the Lord. My presence shall go with thee is not the same as saying, I will go with thee. You know, someone can go with you and be focused on the same job that you're focused on, and he's with you, but his presence is not with you. He's not focused on you. He's just with you on the same job. And if you said to that person, can we talk? Can we get close to each other? That person can say, I can't talk with you. I'm too busy being with you doing the same work as you're doing, and I don't have time to sit and talk with you and to talk heart to heart and get to know each other, no. And the person is saying, I'm with you, but the person is not saying, my presence shall be with thee. That's why many marriages break down, because they're like that, where the spouses are with each other, and they're doing the same job of raising the kids, keeping the home, working together, but their presence is not with each other. So if one spouse says to the other, can we just look into each other's eyes? Can we talk? Can we get close? The other spouse says, I am with you doing the same work, but I don't have time. What it's saying there is that I am going with you, but my presence is not with you. And that's why in many marriages, the spouses are together, they're busy doing, but they're drifting apart because their presence is not with each other. And that's why it's important to see that God did not say, I'm gonna go with you, but that he said, my presence shall be with you. And it would be this conscious presence of the Lord that's gonna give Moses this rest. My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. It means the anxiety that Moses felt about being alone, that's gonna be at rest. It means this loneliness, this terrible, gnawing loneliness that Moses felt, that's gonna be put to rest. It means this inner soul hunger is gonna be put to rest. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, when he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. There are two rests there are two rests that he promised. He promised the first one in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come unto me, I will give thee rest. He promised the second one in the next verse in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, learn of me and you shall find rest unto your souls. The first rest is coming to the Lord Jesus and that's referred to in Isaiah 40, verse two. Isaiah 40, verse two. So when when God said, speak ye comfortably to Israel, cry unto her, her warfare is accomplished and her iniquity is pardoned. That is peace with God. Once we were enemies, now we're at peace. That's the peace with God that comes from salvation. That's the rest from the warfare with God. It's finished when a person comes to the Lord Jesus for salvation. That's the peace with God. That's the end of the warfare But then there's a second rest that comes from learning about the Lord Jesus. That's referred to in Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which you are called in one body, be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, in spiritual songs, singing with grace to the Lord. That's the soul rest. That's the soul rest that comes from letting the word of Christ, the Bible, dwell in us richly, where we're teaching each other, where we're singing in our hearts these great hymns. That brings the peace of God in our lives. That is what is the solution for anxiety and worry and how it's removed from our hearts. The first rest, peace with God. There can be no peace of God until there's first peace with God. That comes at salvation, peace with God. Second rest, peace, peace of God. That comes from saturating our lives with the word of God and hymns, which is why we're working to make the friendship with God hymnal. A little bit of an advertising here. So Moses has, has reached out to God for a person to go with him in his life work. And there's this deep yearning in Moses' heart. And it's to know God better. It's to know God more and more And Moses is asking this for God. He says, in verse 13, he says, Now therefore I pray thee, if I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee. So so Moses here is asking God to show him his way. Show him his way. It's the way, the word way in Derek in Hebrew. It's the word road. It's the word, you want to say Jericho road. You say Derek Jericho. It's the road. It means road. Show me your road. Show me where you're going. Show me your path. Reminds me of the times, that I, would, the times that I was in Japan. I used to go to Japan once, twice a year. And I learned, since about 1980-something, and I learned that business is very relational in Japan. It's very important for the Japanese in business that both parties just get to know each other well. And so I, I have spent many weekends there in Japan at, at Japanese hot spring resorts with customers where they were getting to know me. I was getting to know them. We were just being together. We ate together. We did bowling together. We sang together, karaoke. We played together. I got a lot of jokes. It's just funny stories about that I'm tell you now. We took pictures. We tell jokes. Finally, I found the people who would laugh at my jokes. That was great. You know, we take the picture and I go, Ichi San Diego. Everybody laughs. So that was wonderful, I really, anyway. And oftentimes, I remember during all those times, we were building relationships, building friendships, and oftentimes I remember they would say to me something I never heard before, and they would say, now we know Canterson's thinking way. They would call it the, the thinking way, the thinking way. And I thought, what do they mean by thinking way? And after a while, I got to understand, they meant what my goals were in life. They meant where I was heading in business, how I made decisions in life. In all that, they have the term thinking way. I am 100% certain there's some Japanese character that means thinking way. But anyway, they would listen to what I was saying, and they were all trying to figure out his, your thinking way. How does he think? How does he, what makes him click? And that's exactly what Moses is saying to God here in verse 13 when he said, show me thy way that I may know thee. He's saying, show me your thinking way. He's asking God, Show me, by the way, this is not a passive request on Moses' part. Moses is saying very much the words of Jacob in uh, Genesis 32, 26. In Genesis 32, 26, when Jacob grabbed the hold of God and said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Moses has got the same spirit of the Genesis 32, 26, when he's saying here, I will not let thee go except thou show me thy way show me thy way and this is what makes the difference what made the difference and what makes a difference today but what made the difference at that time between Israel and Moses
2: another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org that's friendshipwithgod.org you can also go online to find free resources from tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org you can also find tom Cantor on facebook and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional tom Cantor is also the founder of israel restoration ministries you can visit that website at Israel You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box seven one one three three zero, 330 Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box seven one one three three zero, 330 Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at Tom Cantor at FriendshipWithGod.org. That's Tom Cantor at FriendshipWithGod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051. That's 800 247 3051.
1: What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor